Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Podcast. That's Punkin Drublick, Brian Har. That's Johnny Rotten, John McGlynn. Hey guys, I got a question for you. Why aren't dogs good dancers? Why, John? <laughs> because they have two left feet. <laughs> oh, that took me a minute. <laughs> They have two right feet too. That seems like they should balance them, out. make them, if anything, make them like super dancers. That's a reality show that's waiting to be born. I am John, Mommy's Little Monster, Hogue, and this is a Super Flex. Sorry, Super Punk Super Show. So welcome, all you misfits. After a rancid start to the season, some of you may be feeling no FX, but most are at an all-time low, and it's time to panic at the disco. This sugar cult known as fantasy football has become a bad religion thanks to the vandals known as quarterback injuries. The clash between your Superflex quarterbacks and their no-use-for-a-name injuries has you feeling like a sicko on full tilt wheel, saying the gods of fantasy football are against me. Well, fear not, All-American Rejects, because the Alkaline Trio is here to help you go face-to-face with these dark times, and we are taking back Sunday. It may be a green day in week three with all of the get-up kids taking on starting roles, but maybe, just maybe, the brand-new quarterbacks saves the day, and it is going to be lit. And Social Distortion, because that's my favorite punk band ever, but I had no way to fit Social Distortion into that monologue. (laughs) Anyways, we're going punk rock today in these very punk rock times. It's us against the world who's with us. Super friends unite. So we're going to call this episode Fallout Boys, guys, because uh, we're talking about the, the players in the fallout from... The, uh, the first two weeks of the NFL season here, especially at the quarterback position, heavy casualties so far. And I think that there are a lot of people struggling a little bit with, uh, number one, you know, what to do as far as acquiring some of these new starting quarterbacks, uh, what to do with the peripheral players who are affected by the loss of the starting quarterbacks. 
and what to do with those starting quarterbacks, particularly the guys who are, are you know, at an advanced age, let's just say, uh, who may or may not be coming back from these injuries at 100%. So lots to talk about there. And uh, just got to sneak in that 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 punk rock slant to this whole thing. Because first up, we're going to talk about the newfound glory of these brand new quarterbacks. Mason Rudolph takes over in Pittsburgh for an injured Ben Roethlisberger who's out for the season to have Tommy John surgery. That's right, Tommy John. He's not a baseball player, but he's having Tommy John surgery. Gardner Minshew, of course, going into his second week as the starter. Teddy Bridgewater taking over for Drew Brees with that injured thumb. Luke Falk taking over for Trevor Simeon, who is trying to take over for Sam Darnold. (laughs) Daniel Jones takes on the starting role for the New York football Giants. And just possibly Kyle Allen is, is the starter for Carolina as Cam Newton deals with that recurring foot injury. And we might even have a little bit of time to talk about the Miami Dolphins who haven't changed quarterbacks just yet, but our resident Dolphins fan, John McGlynn, uh, is, it definitely has some thoughts on that situation, I am sure. Let's get to it, guys. Brian, you're the, you're the Steelers fan in the room, so let, we talked a little bit about Mason Rudolph on yesterday's uh, Superflex SOPs episode, but Let's hear from you about Mason Rudolph or just kind of just the the general outlook uh, for Mason Rudolph in both redraft and dynasty formats and uh, what lengths you're going to to acquire him. Yeah, so just to to clarify, too, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, John, but I did hear from a source today and I forget where I heard it. I I apologize. I I had heard it on a um it was on television and I don't remember if it was like NFL live or if it was one of the other ones, but it, it, it sounds like he actually might not need Tommy John surgery. Now. Um, I know that was definitely the speculation, even the confirmation that I heard too yesterday when we were talking about it. And now today I heard something different. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Regardless, he's going to have a surgery. I just don't know that it's going to be that particular surgery. And I don't know what the heck the difference is, to be honest with you. So um, it's a major injury, obviously, that's going to keep him out this season and be a prolonged recovery. Um, As far as Mason Rudolph goes, just to give people out there kind of a, a, a picture of what maybe the Steelers organization thinks of this kid. So obviously the other big news, and we may or may not talk about it, and I know it's not related to quarterbacks. I apologize, John, but um, Mm -hmm. the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick last night, and they gave up their first round draft pick in in the 2020 draft. Um, You know, and and I think it took a lot of people off guard because I I think there were a lot a lot of folks out there who probably thought, oh well, the Steelers season is done, right? I mean, Mason Rudolph, you know, his third round draft pick. You know, he's never really played uh, in a meaningful game, you know, so I, I think a lot of people were under the assumption, like, why why in the world would the Steelers do this? They'd be able to draft a quarterback. You know, they, 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 they might finish low enough where they put themselves into a position to draft a franchise quarterback. 
Here's the thing that people don't seem to be understanding. The Steelers already think they have the guy. And they think Mason Rudolph's the guy. They had a first-round draft grade on this guy last year. And you can call them crazy if you want to, and that's okay. I get it. I mean, with all the other, you know, with, with all the other options in the 18 class, you know, I mean, he was he was fifth at best, sixth at best, um, in, in terms of quarterbacks. So but but the Steelers love this kid, and they felt like when they drafted him that they absolutely stole him where they drafted him. They didn't have a second round pick uh, in that in that class, I believe, um, in that draft. Uh, so they took him with ah, they might have had one. I'm not sure. Anyways, they 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 felt like they got a steal in Mason Rudolph, and they believe in the kid. Um, you know, I don't think they were planning on having to find out yet uh, because obviously Ben Roethlisberger signed the extension, but. You know, I think they're expecting him to be better than a lot of people think. Um, you know, sort of like the Giants, and we're going to get to to Daniel Jones a little bit later too. But same type of thing. I mean, I, I think the organization believes in the kid, and that's a big. I mean, that's big, right? With these quarterbacks, he has some weapons around him that are that are really good weapons. Juju Smith Schuster. He's got a good tight end in Vance McDonald. Um, you know, he he has James Washington, his college teammate. Um, you know, so the weapons are there. The offensive line is pretty good as far as protecting him. I think the outlook is actually better than a lot of people do. I think Mason Rudolph, I mean, he's not Ben Roethlisberger, right? And when you're trying to replace a, a Hall of Fame type quarterback, you're, I mean, that, that's a tall task for anybody. Um, but I do think Mason Rudolph is probably going to do better than a lot of people think he's going to do. I, so that that's kind of where I am on him. Um, but I'll yeah, be interested I, to see what you guys think. I think the Steelers were 100% on him when Big Ben was threatening to retire. He was, you know, kind of, you know, playing games with the Steelers. And I think Big Ben was threatened at Mason Rudolph also. They, they, he knew what the Steelers got, and it wasn't just the backup. It was the plan for the future. Mason Rudolph's a very good quarterback, and I think Big Ben saw the writing on the wall, and now he's uh, all about go Steelers and go team because you know he feels threatened now. Mason Rudolph can definitely take his job. I'm, uh, that's a he's a great, not just a backup, but I think he is the heir apparent for for the Steelers, and that's what they think too. Yeah, it sounds like that was the plan all along, like you said. I mean, they like you like you just said, John. I mean, they did not bring him in to be just a career backup to Ben Roethlisberger. They brought him in knowing full well that there's a good chance that he's starting, you know, by his second year in the league. Lo and behold, here we are. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. I said yesterday on the, the uh, SOPs episode that I'm going all in on waivers to go get Mason Rudolph. If I was ever going to spend a full fair budget on anybody, it would be Mason Rudolph because I think with the the weapons this guy has in the team, the, the he's been sitting around for a year be, uh, behind Big Ben, learning the playbook, learning the system, uh, you know, getting a couple reps in practice every day, he could walk right into this job without a problem. I, he's not Big Ben, I, I'm, I, but I'm thinking probably most of the time, seventy five percent of what Big Ben did, you know, to as a floor is what I'm thinking Mason Rudolph can do on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so based on that, uh, so, I mean, we're, we're saying go all in on waivers, but there are going to be some cases here where people don't end up with him. So number one, if, if you're in a league where you can trade fab, you can acquire fab, there are going to be some people absolutely loading up 
on fab to go get him. Uh, they're also in those leagues where you can't trade fab. I mean, we're early enough in a season where you're going to have multiple people with, you know, a full budget remaining and, uh, they're, they're all going to go all in and somebody's going to get stiffed on him because of, uh, you know, just because of uh, waiver priority, whatever the tiebreakers are in your league. And I think that, you know, I, 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 I also think that there are some deeper leagues where he's already rostered. I think they got rid of Josh Dobbs on purpose because they knew they didn't need him anymore. They, they had their backup. Yeah. 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 I think so too. So I guess my question to you guys is, so we already know that you'd, you'd go all in. I'd go all in plus, I mean, whatever it takes, I would trade up, you know, I I would trade for some more fab to be able to go get him. I am willing to go more than a hundred percent to get Mason Rudolph. I agree with that. All in play. This is the all in play. And, and we talked about this yesterday too. I don't know of another situation where I would do this. I don't know of another situation where, you know, you're, you're looking at a quarterback who's ready to take over, who might actually be on waivers right at the minute, right at the moment, who could step into a situation like this and not relinquish that starting job. You know, this is, this is if Daniel Jones had been on waivers, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And, and even then Mason Rudolph steps into a better situation than Daniel Jones way better. And I think he might be a better quarterback too, but that's uh, that that one might be a debate for another time. <laughs> Only but, time will tell on that one, but I agree with you. Yeah. So I guess the question here is, you know, what what are you willing to do to uh, to trade for Mason Rudolph if you're not able to get him off of waivers? If he's already rostered or you get beat out on waivers, let's start talking about maybe some trade values to go get Mason Rudolph. Because again, to me, I think this is a this is a huge uh, acquisition. It, we've got a massive window open here, and I, I I can't imagine that his value drops from where it's at right now, which is already a hundred percent plus of Fab. So, give me some players, give me some names that you guys would be willing to trade away to get Mason Rudolph in a Superflex league. Sheesh! This <laughs> I kind of sprung that on, on you guys. I know that. So let's talk about pick value first. Okay. Perfect. Um, I would easily pay a 2021 first. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Not even, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Is um, that is that just a random first? Or are you talking like if you even if you did the thing that we always say not to do and projected it to be an early 2020 first? It looks like it's gonna easily be top three, top five. Um, I'd you still know, do you're, it. you're on a rebuild team. You're, you're, you know, and you're still going for Rudolph. I, I think. Yeah. I too. And, 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 and part of the reason there is because there's still, there's still time to recover a 2021 first. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's so far away right now that I mean, I'm, I'm the type of dynasty player that is going to make a bunch of deals. So if I'm acquiring Mason Rudolph for a 2021 first, but I still value 2021 first in a high regard, then I'll go make some trades between now and then and, you know, and, and get one back if I need to, there's plenty of time to recover that pick. Um, you know, I, 
Go ahead, if, I'm, if I'm in win now, right? If I'm in win now, right? Right now, and I had Big Ben as one of my quarterbacks, and let, let's just say you're in a really deep super flex league, where there's nothing left. I have no. I'd pay two twenty twenty first because I'm winning right now. I don't care about the future. My job is to win right now. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll figure a way out to make those twenty, at least one of those twenty twenty first back with you know with you know, and I'll be happy because I won the money for the league. I won my league. That's all bragging rights. That's that's the fun of it all, anyways. To win right now, I'll figure that out in two years. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's a. I don't know if I could go quite that far, but I but I get it. I mean, I think I I agree with the philosophy behind it. Um, you know, the idea that Mason Rudolph, I, it, Mason Rudolph, very well could help you win this year, especially with the amount of of injuries that we've got at the quarterback position. You might, I might be talking myself into uh, your side of this here, McGlynn, because what, what if your second quarterback in, in your super flex, let's just say you only had, um, let's just say you only had Marcus Mariota as your second quarterback. Let's just say you only had, uh, he went, someone... he went there. He went there. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Mariota. Don't, no, I, I'm, I'm the only other guy in the show that likes Mariota. So don't, I, but yeah, I'm just I, saying, I, I, I understand his motives. So yeah, we're, we're on the same page with that one. So he yeah. can get away with it. But say you needed someone to win right now, and you're not. And I mean, you're going to trade. Nobody's going to trade you a you know a better quarterback than you know for anything less than a 2021st when when everybody's already hamstrung at quarterbacks. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the that might be the big takeaway here from this entire episode. By the way, is the fact that there we've got such a big list of quarterbacks, and I already named them off earlier. But one, two, three, four, five, six, possibly seven quarterback situations to talk about already there's a lot of people probably hurting in in super flex leagues you know that's you if you spread that out over all these because all these teams all these guys all these players drafted two quarterbacks and felt like that was going to be good enough in super flex some of them got three and you're you're still hurting i mean you might have maybe you lost two of your quarterbacks uh, out of your three, maybe you lost one out of your two. This is why we go quarterback heavy, by the way. And this is why you go quarterback early so that you have, you know, you've got the entire draft ahead of you to go quarterback heavy um, and plan for this. Now, definitely this is fluky, but still, I mean, this is, this obviously is within the realm of possibilities. This is why we do it. But yeah, they're, they're, it's going to be that much harder for people to trade away quarterbacks because of the fact that they're like you said John I mean they're all hurting at quarterback right now yeah if you had Case Keenum and Andy Dalton those are your two quarterbacks and you're, you're looking good right now <laughs> <laughs> with with those two guys <laughs> and Big Ben was your number one I mean like what then what do you do yeah I mean I think in that in that case you're probably staying the course to be totally honest because I mean, right now, Case Keenum's a quarterback five overall in fantasy. Is <laughs> as crazy as that is. Hey, uh, is he going to stay that way? No, no, I'm sure he won't. Although, I mean, they're going to be in a lot of garbage time situations, so maybe. So you, but, so so going back to so John, you had asked about okay, what are some players that mm -hmm. I would give up? Mm -hmm. I would give up Josh Rosen. Yeah. Yes. For, from you'd rather have. Yeah. Now, no. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, just, I think I would too. And and just a little back uh, background 
there. I mean, I've I'm a big Josh Rosen guy. Like I believe that he's probably going to be a thing. It might take a little bit of time, but I I've been on the Josh Rosen bandwagon for since before he was drafted. So, um, you know, but but I think at this point, you know, um, I don't I don't think that would happen. I, I think people see the writing on the wall in Miami where they know. This guy's already broken from Arizona. Josh Rosen's already broken from Arizona. He's going to Miami where they already have a plan to get rid of him again when they have another quarterback coming in. Like I, I don't think people trust Josh Rosen. I don't think anybody would trade say, yeah, I'll trade you, uh, I'll trade you this guy for Josh Rosen. I don't think people and what is he gonna do in Miami this year? They traded the entire team away. He's not gonna be a well, fantasy viable quarterback. Right. Again, though, I'm 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 so I'm talking more in that regard, I'm talking more dynasty than I am obviously redraft or or competing this year um i mean if you're in a rebuild i mean i i still think if you're in a rebuild in a dynasty league you're probably i mean mason rudolph is probably just as appealing as as josh rosen i i just think there's you know there's some there's a history of rosen being valued a certain way and rudolph has not been valued that way until sunday right so That's why I'm kind of saying there might be an opportunity to do something, you know, something like that um, with those those players, um, you know. But but yeah, you're right, John. I mean, you have to find a, you would have to find an owner who still believed that Josh Rosen, you know, was who he thought. <laughs> we we always yeah. go back to that, right? <laughs> you are who we thought you were, right? Um, you let him off the hook. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if 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 you have to find somebody who still believes that Josh Rosen is the quarterback that, you know, they thought he was coming out of UCLA and being drafted 10th overall by Arizona. And if yeah, you can but, find that person, then, you know, you might be able to do something like this. It's going to be hard to find that guy when he can't even beat out Fitzpatrick. And he, when he does get in there, he looks like crap. So I, <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so let's let's follow that thread a little bit um, and and just turn up the heat from there, though. So. I mean, Rosen already looks like, I mean, he's, he's about as devalued as you can get. Um, I, I mean, I, I imagine that you're probably taking Mason Rudolph over Dwayne Haskins at this point, even though, yes, you know, Haskins has a little bit more clear future than Josh Rosen. Um, Either of you guys have an issue with that one or you take Rudolph pretty easily. What do you, I am. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I probably. Oh my gosh! I mean, see, the 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 hard part for me is is you know, I mean, I mean, what was Dwayne Haskins taken in rookie drafts this past year? One hundred four at the worst. Yeah, you know what I mean. So for me, that's that's tough because I don't think I've ever had that type of value placed on Mason Rudolph. His situation also hasn't been what it is now, right? So so Correct. everything changed on Sunday. Um, so I still have a little bit of a mind block there. I I mean I don't I don't have anything I don't think there's anything wrong doing that though. I mean if you if you believe Rudolph can produce in this offense, then why not? I mean, what what guarantees do you have that Dwayne Haskins is going to be able to produce in a Washington offense more than Mason Rudolph is going to be able to produce 
in the Pittsburgh offense? Not at all. They got Terry McLaurin, and that's about it on Washington. He's making the whole team. I mean, Darius Geis isn't known to be a receiving back. You got Chris Thompson who gets beat up all the time. I mean, that's Dwayne Haskins could be walking into a bad situation. So I don't. I, I would rather have Rudolph with all these awesome toys around me. And let's just say Big Ben does have problems with his surgery, and he comes back and he can't throw the ball like he used to. Rudolph could be walking himself right into a starting role forever after this. So I don't know if this one's a step up or a step down. I mean, based on August uh, DLF Superflex ADP available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, um, which uh, again, this came out in August. We're you know we're midway through September now. This is it, it, it. A lot has changed, but right now we're gathering the uh, the September ADP data. So we've got to go off of August for now. But according to this, I mean. Um, Dwayne Haskins was quarterback 25 in August. Here's a guy who was quarterback 33, but uh, very well could have changed Joe Flacco. Okay. Kind of similar situation to Mason Rudolph. We know that he's not going anywhere, at least for this year. Uh, You know, there's no path for Drew Locke, but, and, and, you know, tons of starting experience in the NFL. And a little bit of success as well uh, at certain points in his career. But is that a guy that you would consider ahead of Mason Rudolph? No. What do you think? No. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy sweep. Just because I like Joe Flacco. I really do. It it just, every time I see him, he's got such a good army and people just (laughs) seem to be open. He just can't hit anybody. (laughs) <laughs> he just can't hit anybody, and he just seems to find a way to to create problems on on, on the on the offense. He can never just get a a whole drive going ever. There's no fluency in his game. He throws <laughs> 65 passes a game, but he, you know, 30 of them are, are sailed or short or you know to the wrong guy or wrong team. It's it's unbelievable, and I and I want to believe in Joe Flacco, but I, I think he's kind of ruined everybody's trust. Oh my God. Don't get me started. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to throw a few more names at you guys. I want to keep going until I find somebody that you're taking ahead of Mason Rudolph. So um, we can just kind of lightning round this a little bit. I'll just okay. throw out a name. Uh, give me one, a one word answer. How about Jacoby Brissett or Mason Rudolph? Rudolph. Rudolph. Daniel Jones or Mason Rudolph. I'm going to probably go Daniel Jones on that. Just because he has a clearer path to a starter, a starting job, a starting, uh, uh, I think that even though, even though Rudolph is supposed to be the heir apparent for Ben, I think, I think Daniel Jones is maybe, uh, I know people don't like him, but I think he's a little bit better than Rudolph. Okay. That one's really, really close. It's to tough. Me. Yeah, I think you hit the yeah, button. On that this one, one. Yeah, that one's really, that really might be close. the winner. I think. I think. Yeah. So, so I, I agree with what John said about. I mean, I think Daniel Jones has a clearer path. I mean, he's 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 now the starter in New York, and it's done. This is like, like it's, it's done. There's no, there's no injury. There's no. I mean, he's taking over for Eli Manning because Eli sucks at this yeah. point. I mean, he's just not good anymore. You can't put the toothpaste back in the back in the, in the toothpaste bottle after this one. It's over. Like they, yeah. 
So, yeah. And whereas the Steelers, I mean, if Roethlisberger, you know, if Rudolph is okay, like if he's if he's average uh, for a quote unquote rookie, I mean, he's not technically a rookie, but he's essentially a rookie. You know, if he's okay, and then Ben comes back next year and he's whipping the ball around and looking good, then he might, you know, he'll probably get his role back. Rudolph has to win the job. I mean, he's got to perform well enough and gain the trust of the team enough to where they say, okay, we're okay sitting Ben Roethlisberger on the bench and paying him $26.5 million to do so. You know, so it's going to take that type of performance. So I, I think I think I agree with what John said there. I think Daniel Jones would get the edge for me there because he's the starting quarterback for the New York Giants now moving forward here. I mean, this year, next year, and for the foreseeable future. This is like 52 to 48, though. It's so it's that close for me. Yeah, is, I, I think so, too. Yeah, that is super close. Um, all right. Well, uh, then give me uh, let me do one last one here for you guys. Um, just uh, and. and we'll leave out context here as far as, you know, rebuild versus Mm -hmm. contender. Um, Let's leave that part out. And, and we just, we just don't know. Hashtag no context. Tom Brady or Mason Rudolph, Tom Brady. That's that's not fair. (laughs) Tom Brady. Brady. You gotta, you gotta put your biases aside. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I hate him so much, but he is the best. So do I. I can't stand him, but he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's so good right now. So in redraft, I think that one's pretty easily Brady. But and he's, a, he's a vampire, too. I mean, he it might play until he's like 47, it. 48 years old. Yeah. I honestly think he'll probably play next year, too, unfortunately. But I, I think that'll be – I don't think this is his – If he, if, I mean, what if Gronk comes back this year? Right. I mean, yeah, what, and I, there's, there's not you. They can't literally. You could put 14 people on the field on defense, and they still couldn't beat the Patriots. It's <laughs> that good, right? Yeah, definitely. The I mean, the one thing I would say, and we're going to talk about Roethlisberger and Breeze. We didn't really see an end in sight for those guys either. And then one injury, although you know, fairly major injuries. And I think that we have to have the conversation here on this episode. In fact, that. That could be it for those guys. You know, we we might be talking about the end of the road for those guys, and it just kind of came up out of nowhere. They were they were playing just fine, and then, you know, this one injury, that might be the end. Yeah, this so, is how Tom Brady got his start. I mean, this is exactly the same situation we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the I guess the point being the same thing could happen to Tom Brady. Yeah. Um. It, it it comes out of nowhere. It really does with these quarterbacks. I I mean, you can't really plan for it. And in the meantime, I think you have to take advantage of the fact that Tom Brady probably has the the best group of weapons in the league at this point. Um. I mean, I think that you've you've got to take the overall supporting cast of the Patriots over you know that of the Vikings, for instance. Uh. Yeah. And yeah. it's I the, you know. It's not only that, it's that they're in such good position and field position all the time. I mean, in fantasy leagues, the Patriots defense scored 50 points in some leagues I was in this week. I mean, they played the Dolphins, but every they it's the other teams, the, the defense makes every other team punt, 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 punt. And the, the Brady gets the team in awesome field position all the time. And he just nickels and dimes and dissects, his, dissects teams. And now he just keeps getting more and more weapons. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next year you're going to have his his rookie. They're they're the probably the best receiver in the class <laughs> coming back after that. I mean, it, it it never stops. It's just not even fair. It's not. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, so they'll probably lose Antonio Brown, but yeah, now now you get Nikhil Harry, and all <laughs> he's been doing is sitting around reading that stupid ridiculous playbook that's almost impossible to learn on the fly. He's got to just all he's had to do this entire off this entire season is learn that thing. So yeah, it's uh that's pretty frustrating. Um we better we better move on before I uh before I puke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't want to puke on my on my <laughs> keyboard here. Um so all right, on to Gardner Minshew and we don't have to spend nearly as much time on him. Uh, because he got all the airtime last week. But uh, now he's rostered. We've actually seen him with a full, you know, a full game as the starter for Jacksonville. Um, Nick Foles likely, I, I mean, he's on IR, but they could designate him to return later in the season. Uh, so we're probably looking at about two months. Um, so, you know, uh, around early to mid-November, there's a chance that Nick Foles comes back and uh, you know, he, he could be in line to take that job back over, but based on what you've seen, what's your feeling as far as the outlook for Gardner Minshew is, is this, it, does he have a chance to take over that role completely and just own it? And you know, they just keep Nick Foles on IR and then, you know, you go forward into 2020 with Gardner Minshew as your starter. Or do you think that this is just a temporary thing Nick Foles takes over uh, midseason? I don't think you could pay somebody that much money and have Gardner Minshew start on your team, on your roster. Really? I, I don't I don't I just feel like they have to use Nick Foles. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean I sort of agree. I mean, I, I here here's the thing. If if Minshew play, I, here's here's the thing with all of these quarterbacks. When an injury happens and you have a high priced veteran guy, I mean that youngster's got to got to play. It's got to be a no doubt thing to me. Yeah, the like, ink's like, the ink's still wet on that contract. I mean, it's, right, it's, like. Right, like Minshew has to, I mean, he has to play so well that there's no doubt, or right. else Foles is going to at least get the opportunity to win the job back. He might not, I mean, he'll have to perform, but, you know, because of the money and, and whatnot, I, I do think, I think that he'll get an opportunity to win the job back. Now, if he plays like junk and Minshew has played pretty well, uh, you know, then, then yeah, he'll, he'll, you know, maybe they make the switch and they don't care about the money. But, um, I do think that Foles is, you know, and Foles was playing pretty, pretty well in that game too, before he went out. So, um, you know, I, I do think that Foles when he's healthy, will get an opportunity to lead that offense again and, and see what he can do. So, um, I mean, they not- paid, that money's big too. It's $50 million guaranteed. Yeah. So it's not like. You know, it's it's not like they're going to cut him. I'm not a big Nick Foles fan, so I really, you know, I, on a person-to-person basis here, I, you know, we only got a sample size of Gardner Minshew, so we really can't say that, you know, he's as good as Nick Foles or better than Nick Foles or, you know, on his way up to being Nick Foles. But I, I think 
I'm not a big Nick Foles fan, but if Gardner Minshew comes out and shows, I mean, it's a good problem to have for the Jaguars where they could probably get some big-time draft capital if they want to trade Minshew away. They're going to keep Nick Foles. That's the only benefit for this situation. Yeah, so I actually just looked up the contract, too, and it's a, it actually is somewhat team-friendly. I mean, they have they have a potential out after the 2020 season uh, for a $12.5 million dead cap hit uh, that would pay Foles a total of, of 46 six twenty five, which is how much he's guaranteed. He's guaranteed just under that anyway, so at, at signing. Um, so, you know, they do have an out. If Minshew were to light the field on fire, you know, then they then they do have an out after that twenty after next season. Yeah, but that's um, thirty three million dollars next year is just sitting right. on the bench. Right. Yep. So would you guys would either you guys trade a twenty twenty second for Gardner Minshew just on the off chance that he does you know he, he does get a stranglehold on this job and keeps it he keeps Nick Foles on IR and ultimately it, it, he's at least a starter for all of 2019 and uh, it, it at least has the opportunity to compete for the starting job in 2020. It's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, to, does it take those assumptions though for you to, you know, the idea that Gardner Minshew is likely the starter for all of 2019 and, and possibly going forward or, um, just with the information we have right now, is it twenty twenty second a, a price that you would pay? Anytime a quarterback gets an, a, a chance like this, uh-huh. I mean, you got to roll that twenty twenty second out there. Just it, it's a roll of the dice. If he does take over, he does get the job. He does win the job. You got a starting quarterback for a twenty twenty second. I mean, in a super flex league, that's that's unheard of. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would agree with that, especially. So here, here's. Here's the biggest problem that we have through April of next year. <laughs> I mean, this this rookie class, the 2020 class, I mean, if we're talking about any other class other than the 2020 class, it's it to me, it's it's very simple. I mean, I absolutely would give a second for the opportunity at, at what could be a potential starting quarterback in the future in the National Football League. There's no doubt about it in Superflex Leagues. This class is a little bit different. It's got people's minds just messed up because the the talent, if everybody comes out um, and everybody has the seasons that people are expecting them to have, it's going to be a very deep, very good class. So I think that messes with people. I mean, if we're talking about a random sec, I mean, if you were talking about in this in this past year's draft class, in the 19 class, or even the 18 class or the 21 class. I mean, yes, absolutely. You'd pay you'd I mean, anybody would be, you'd be crazy not to pay a second for a kid that might be, that's going to start a good portion of this season and might have an opportunity to start moving forward. That so, 2020 class messes with people though. <laughs> I know. I, I know it does. And if Stompy was here, he would, he would be threatening to rage quit as usual. Um, <laughs> over over the idea that you would trade a 2020 pick for, I mean, really anything, um, much less a uh, a guy who's not guaranteed anything. Um, we still have low hit rates on those picks, by the way. But similar situation in New Orleans because 
Drew Brees with an injured thumb on his throwing hand. He's going to have to have surgery. It sounds like he probably makes it back. It sounds like, uh, and, and again, we'll have to get some clarity from Ethan later in the week, but it it's sounding like probably a six to eight week injury uh, recovery time. In the meantime, Teddy Bridgewater looks like he's going to be the starter. And I know that, you know, Taysom Hill's name comes up a lot. Uh, he, he gets on the field uh, when Drew Brees is a starter. So, you know, it kind of stands to reason that he's going to be on the field with Teddy Bridgewater as well. I don't, I don't know that that necessarily that, you know, the way they use him, I don't know that his role necessarily changes. So I personally think we can take him out of the equation. If you guys disagree, you can definitely talk about him. Um, But I think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy that we, that we really need to focus on for the new Orleans saints. And the question I guess is, is this his job from now on? Or does 40, 41-year-old Drew Brees make it back from an injury on his throwing hand and reclaim that job? And if in, and in either case, what does it take for you to acquire Teddy Bridgewater? I feel bad because I like Teddy Bridgewater coming out of Louisville. Uh, he, was, uh, he was very excited. I was excited for him to get the opportunity. He's had nothing but bad luck since he's been in the NFL. And now he finds himself... You know, he could have went to Miami. He turned it down, stayed in New Orleans to back up Drew Brees. I think he was pretty happy with that situation. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near what Drew Brees can be. Can be or, I mean, is. And I think it, it's going to be a 50-50 timeshare between quarterbacks. And uh, Bridgewater, some plays, some plays designed for Taysom Hill. Some plays Taysom Hill thrown to Teddy Bridgewater. Some plays Teddy Bridgewater thrown to Taysom Hill. I don't think neither of these guys are the answer. Yeah, you know, I mean, I like Teddy. I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of his from a person perspective. I mean, exactly what John said. What I mean, what horrible luck the guys had, right? With the with the knee and then um yeah it just it's just been a rough road for him i think he's an easy guy to root for um you know and he he played pretty well you know uh where he's been he was he was pretty good in minnesota um you know before the injury and he played well for the it was the jets wasn't it where he where he kind of was tearing it up in the in the preseason and whatnot um you know and then he didn't look good last year in the one game. I think that he played uh, towards the end of the season there. Um, but you know, it's one game. So, you know, I, I definitely think I taste Taysom Hill. Isn't, I mean, that's not, no. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback there. If breeze doesn't go, I think breeze is going to make it back this season because I think the saints are going to stay competitive. Um, team wise. So, I think that's a motivation for Brees to make it back and make one last run at the Super Bowl. I do think if they win the Super Bowl, there he's gone for sure. He'll retire on top. Um, if he doesn't, or if this injury lags uh, and and kind of you know is is something that gets strung out, I could see Brees coming back for another season at age forty one. Um, you know, he he's kind of been going on one year deals here or two. I think the last one was a two year deal, but um, for a while now. So I could definitely see him returning another year. That roster stacked. So yeah, right. 
you know, I I think he wants an he wants a chance at another Super Bowl. Um, so I could definitely see him coming back again next season. Um, if if things don't go well this year, especially via the injury, because no no NFL player wants to go out that way. You know, you know they, I, don't, they I, don't want to go out injured. Right. You know, I I just feel like Teddy Bridgewater is like the equivalent of like a Jordan Howard in the league. He's a fan favorite. Everybody just seems to like the guy. He's, he seems like a likable person. He, he's a pretty good at what he does, but he's just not ever going to get you over the edge. You know, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For NFL purposes, for sure. So in, in fantasy, I, I think same question with Gardner Minshew, because I mean, to me, I think that Teddy is probably the more talented quarterback. Now, you know, again, we don't know for sure what Gardner Minshew is, we don't know for sure what they have there. We do know that Teddy has a better supporting cast. We've seen quite a bit of Teddy Bridgewater. We've seen him as a starter in Minnesota, actually lead that team to the playoffs. And man, they had Seattle beat in Seattle in front of the twelves. If uh if uh what was it? What was the kicker's name that, that missed the field goal? Uh Blair Walsh. <laughs> Blair kick project. Uh if if <laughs> if if he doesn't miss that, Teddy Bridgewater upsets the Legion of Boom in front of the twelves. That so we we know that he can win in this league. We know that he can perform in this league. the The tougher part is for fantasy purposes. Um, but let's uh, let's just again just based on the information that we do have in front of us. Are you giving up a twenty twenty second for Teddy Bridgewater? Based on, I mean, you might only have him for eight weeks. You might have him forever. I don't think so. If I knew it was late. Yeah. I, and honestly, the more I think about it with Minshew, I think it's the same for me. I think I would, I mean, if I if I thought it was like a top half, I might not do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that's probably true. And and that's what's tough about it is it's really hard to project. Right. You know, you unless it's a team that has gone all in on going all out on on tanking and uh just in leaning into a rebuild. You know, the those teams that actually telegraph it, you can you can tell but beyond that, I mean, especially with the rate that we're losing these quarterbacks, it's really hard to know who's going to be the contenders at the end of the season because i mean it's it's it might come down to who has the healthiest quarterback room when we get there uh here's a guy that we can talk about real quick i think <laughs> <laughs> this shouldn't take too long luke falk the number three quarterback for the new york jets trevor simeon's out for the season with the ankle injury uh, sam darnold probably only misses about a month with mono. Um, so, I, so can I cut you off for just a second, John? For sure. Are you so, going to make fun of him for getting mono? Cause I am, I'm all for it. So I am not. And, and I'm actually going to go the other direction because last night I let this slide last night because you chuckled uh-huh. when you said about him getting mono and it keeping him I, out. I think you could probably qualify it as a giggle. Yeah. Yes. You definitely giggled. At yep. least, at least giggled. Oh, yeah. So, as someone who has suffered through mononucleosis, uh-huh. me, okay, <laughs> you, you take offense. Well, I don't take me. offense, but it is a serious. It can be a serious, uh, whatever it is. 
yeah auto whatever it is affliction yeah for sure it's for it's sure. a i mean like i now i was a little kid too but i lost like 30 percent of my body weight when yeah. i had mono so it can be a nasty nasty thing to deal with um so don't make fun of him it's not his <laughs> fault he didn't go out there kissing he obviously, he, he, he obviously went and kissed whatever because that's how you get mono <laughs> <laughs> also how old were you were you in a, a career that paid you millions of dollars when this happened this th there's a reason that it's unprecedented for an nfl player to miss time with mononucleosis and we have no idea how long he's out it's because <laughs> these are adults these are grown men you don't get mono you get chlamydia like a real adult <laughs> <sighs> I uh, oh, my word. we I've been having this discussion the last couple of days at work and some other guys and uh, <laughs> you know it's it, it's funny because I was I was I was watching the game at Mike Taglier's house last night and he was talking about mono and he says that he knew a guy that had mono and literally like six months after having being diagnosed with mono and there's no cure for it like it just your body has to just kind of go through the process of getting rid of it and when it does. Like six months later, the guy had trouble walking up the stairs. Was out of breath, like walking up the stairs. So I mean, it could be serious. I mean, I don't. It, it, it's For sure. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the joke is definitely not the fact that right now Sam Darnold feels like a freaking zombie and can can barely even get up off his couch. That I, I mean, that part sucks, and all that part, all of that is legit. Though my only issue is the fact that we're talking about a grown man getting a disease that you generally get what sophomore year of high school. Right. So, uh, but I and again, I, I maybe that's why you don't draft twenty-one year olds, but or or at least that's something to consider. <laughs> the, the fact that you might be you might be getting somebody who who's you know mono is still in play. Uh, you know, getting arrested for underage drinking still in play, uh, <laughs> stuff like that might be something to at least consider. Not I'm not saying avoid them. I'm just saying you gotta you gotta consider some of this stuff. So, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm the derailer tonight, uh, <laughs> and, and apologies for that. But are we seriously gonna just let this? Let's see John McGlynn sitting here. Oh, I was over at jo I was over at Mike Tagliari's house <laughs> last night watching watching Monday Night Football, and just let that know, fly. Nice, like he says it so casually. Big time like, name drop. Like, yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> I know uh, <laughs> this guy right here, man. Oh, we argue all <laughs> the time. That's pretty good. That, I love it. I love that, it. That was pretty strong, and that's definitely the way to do it. Like Absolutely. sneak that into a sneak that into a, a conversation about um, about kids Mo in mono. their mono. <laughs> 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 that's he. That's the way that you almost get away with it for sure. Oh man. <laughs> Anyways, Luke Falk is now a starting NFL quarterback uh, because of mono, and uh, so John McGlynn who hangs out and watches football with Mike Taglieri. Is there any, is there, it, no. it, are you going to put any effort into rostering Luke Falk? No, no. Uh, what about you, Har? I mean, no. is there, is there a price you would pay to, I mean, I'd pick him up for a dollar on the waiver wire if he's available, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'm not, no, 
No. You have to have a horrible offensive line. You saw what happened to Simeon yesterday. And now, now don't get me wrong. Uh, Bradley Chubb is, an, is crazy. And the guy is crazy good. But Luke Falk, you can't. Blair Powell, is, it's how long do you think he's going to last touching the ball 26 times a game or 31 times a game, whatever it is, behind that line and getting killed? Like, that's he's not going to last very long. Or Le'Veon Bell is not going to uh, last that long. They have, They don't really have that much talent on this team. I, yeah. I I don't see Luke Fogg taking over and just you know and making things happen for the New York Jets, especially with the coach they have too, who doesn't really seem to get the picture of winning football games or or creating a positive attitude or or a positive playbook that you know even the situations they put these t- the, the players in is is bad. So I, I want nothing to do with Luke Falk at all. I wouldn't even trade a fifth round pick for him. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not. I'm not interested either. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, if you're if you're down to one starting quarterback, then I could see giving a fifth. But even then, I mean, it's it's tough considering. First of all, you're you know you're probably going to get more out of you know your your fifth or sixth wide receiver uh, <laughs> than you are than you're going to get out of Luke Falk. Put put a wide receiver at Superflex. So that that was a nice and easy one. All right, Daniel Jones though he takes over as a starting quarterback for the New York Giants, already rostered. I mean, we're not we're certainly not talking about picking him up off of waivers. It's possible in some redraft superflex leagues that he's still on waivers, uh, but I, I mean, I think the vast majority of leagues, regardless of dynasty or redraft, he's going to be rostered. So I think now we're looking, we're talking more about his outlook. It's not great weapons. I mean, there's there's one guy in the backfield that Brian Hart can't wait to talk about that we uh, that certainly helps. But I mean, Sterling Shepard injured. We still have two more weeks of the Golden Tate suspension. Kind of down to Evan Ingram and what Cody Latimer and I think Benny Fowler might be there. There, it's it's not a very good wide receiver core. Um, is now the time to buy Daniel Jones and at what cost? Uh, I mean, I'd pay a first plus easily for him. You know, I I think, um, I mean, if I'm initiating a conversation about him, I would do probably a 2021st and second and see where it goes from there. You know, Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Why? So here's what I'd say. I would also take Sam Darnold right now um, because I think, I mean, the value is there. I'm telling you, though, there is probably not a player I'm rooting for more outside of Saquon Barkley (laughs) and Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think there's a player I'm rooting for more than Daniel Jones in the National Football League because really? that kid, yeah, no, the kid gets drafted six overall, and and <laughs> people just absolutely trash his ass. I mean, they do. They try. People have <laughs> Giants fans, Giants fans, and, had, and look, look. We did the live show during the draft and had Bobby Koch, yes. a, a notorious Giants fan, on here. Well, and, and he had an on-air meltdown. <laughs> And, and, and Bobby and I have had several conversations, and I think we I, I'm I'm comfortable in knowing where he stands with all of that. And his point is they could have drafted the same guy with 17 and had Odell Beckham still. 
right? right? So it's it's that's his problem with it. His problem isn't with Jones per se, it's with Gettleman and yeah, the process that they use to do that. Okay. Um, but but there are Which he's other... not wrong, by the way. No, no, absolutely not. No, no absolutely. That absolutely makes sense. hundred percent. Um, but there are also people who because they were so upset at Gettleman, they almost seem it seems like they almost want the guy to fail just so they can say, see? Yeah. And yeah. that's garbage. That's garbage to me. I mean, I would never root for a player on my team to fail. You know, I mean, unless it's a murder or something or, you know, uh, an, an assault person, you know, if we're talking stuff like that, then okay. But like, uh, you know, for, for a kid, just because he was drafted higher than you thought he should have been drafted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm rooting for the kid. I hope he absolutely tears it up and, and I want him to help. I mean, I it, obviously if he does well, it helps Saquon. So, and uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's the main, <laughs> that's that's the main thing here. So yeah, same reason I'm rooting for Josh Allen now, because he went through a whole bunch of this BS last year when, uh, or two years ago, really was it last year. Yeah. Yep. Agree a hundred. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I, I, everybody got rid of Josh Allen. I picked him up everywhere and I'm, you know, he who laughs last, laughs loudest is how they, how that goes, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, he Daniel Jones looked amazing in the preseason. I yes, he did. Think, I I think we're kind of already off of the idea because the big thing was the big knock on Daniel Jones was, I mean, to be totally honest, a complete lack of testosterone. I guess I I don't. There was it was it was a lot of checking down. There was not a whole lot of throwing downfield, and I mean he in the preseason he led the NFL in yards per attempt. So and yards per completion, I believe. So I mean, he he was willing to take some shots. He was taking risks, and it was working out for him. He was building confidence. This, I I think that we're already to a point here where you can feel good about Daniel Jones. You can feel excited about Daniel Jones. To me, the only holdup is again that receiving core. And and granted, it's only we're only talking about a couple weeks here where you're waiting for, you know, Sterling Shepard to get healthy and Golden Tate to come off suspension. And then there's a good chance. I mean, we're we're probably still looking at a down year for the New York Giants. There's a chance that they go get one of these stud wide receivers coming out next year, and all of a sudden this offense is just explosive as hell. You put, you know, Jerry Judy, uh, and they might not necessarily be after the first round guys like Judy Chenault, but I mean, even, even go into the second round and, and, you know, the guys like Tyler Johnson and T Higgins and man, this could be it, it, it. All of a sudden that offense is something special again. Yeah. With Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley and, you know, one really number one receiver to go along with golden Tate and Sterling Shepard on the outside, like, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I actually the new receiver would be on the outside, but um, it's uh, I mean, you could it, it, somebody could be something special. Imagine like DK Metcalf on here, like a yeah. big receiver on this team to go along with a bunch of possession receivers. It, it, that's exactly what they're looking for next year's draft. That would that, that that might put them over the edge. Yeah, and I think there are a handful of those guys coming. Yes, I, I don't know Debbie super well, but I, I'm starting to become familiar with some of these names in there. There's some talent coming out in 2020, I think. So, uh, yeah, Daniel Jones is that's 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 a move worth making right now. If you can get him for a first, uh, no. maybe even a first, a first plus for sure. 
I, I, I think you have to do it. Um, I, I'm not quite there as far as two firsts, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, he's, he's very intriguing and I don't think that he relinquishes this job anytime soon. One last guy. And again, this, this one should, this one should be fast. Although I've said that about several of these guys and we still find, found something <laughs> to talk about with Luke Falk. Uh, so Kyle Allen is probably going to get more airtime than he's worth, but there's a chance. We don't even know this yet. Kyle Allen looks like the backup right now to Cam Newton. There's a good chance that he starts this week. Uh, I don't even remember who they play, who the, the Carolina Panthers play this week. But uh, I guess my question would be, is Kyle Allen worth – you know, a, a, a pickup and a, uh, Arizona. And a, a streamer start. Oh, Arizona, nice matchup. Um, he's thrown to DJ Moore. He's thrown to Curtis Samuel. He's thrown to Craig, to, uh, Greg Olson. He's got Christian McCaffrey behind him. So, so there's some nice weapons in place. Is Kyle Allen somebody that you would consider picking up on waivers, uh, for a spot start, especially if you're the Cam Newton owner or are you, uh, looking elsewhere for a streamer? Um, I like Kyle Allen. I don't love him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Will Greer is... I know they're both kind of taking turns at the number one in practice. Uh, they haven't really... I, th- I think they made a decision on Kyle Allen, but I don't think it was a... It was a uh, you know, a unanimous, like, yeah, he's way better than Will Greer. But I don't think Will Greer's ready yet. Kyle Allen... Last game of the final game of last season, he did pretty well. I think he threw like 280 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. And uh, I, I, I don't think he's that bad. I, I just Cam's broken. Like I don't trust Cam anymore. You know, Cam without wheels is not Cam Newton. He's not. He's very inaccurate. He's, uh, you know, I know he's a big, big dude, but if he's not running, he's not. He's not a quarterback. He's. I, I mean, he was his athletics got him through a lot of his deficiencies before. And I think now that his body's broken, he can't handle that. He's, he can't be an athlete anymore. He's got to be forced to be a quarterback, and he's not. I think Kyle, Kyle Allen, if he does well in, in two or three, you know, for the next couple of weeks, I'm not saying dethrone Cam Newton, but he's definitely going to scare Cam Newton into, you know, or, or have the, the front office of the Panthers open their eyes about maybe it's time to move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Kyle Allen as a, as a spot start if you need to if you need him, um, I, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not spending a large significant portion of my fab money on him. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, 10%, 15, maybe if you, if, I mean, if you're, if you're in dire straits, hopefully you have somebody else to start. Um, you know, I'm not as concerned about cam. I don't think John, as you are, um, I, I, I think you make some interesting points, um, regarding his body breaking down. And I think that's part of the reason he's so he's been so inaccurate early in this season. You know, the foot injury, not being able to plant that foot um, is his, you know, has called has caused some some balls to sail. It's caused, you know, plus he had the shoulder injury where he's changing the throwing motion and all that stuff. So it's just a mess right now. I think with time, uh, and rest and healing and all of that stuff that he can bounce back. I don't know if we're ever going to see the cam that we saw previously. 
but I do think he will be an above average starter in the league for, you know, another six to seven years. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy. So I disagree, I disagree with it. Yeah. So, and that's okay. I mean, we, you know, that's again, we talk all the time about, you know, different, different people have different opinions on different players and that's what creates trade opportunities. Right. And yes. that's for me, a guy that's uh, a, a big time trader. I mean, I love that stuff. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's what makes this game so much fun to, to play. So I'm not saying Kyle Allen's the answer. I'm just saying that Cam Newton's not, you know, that's, so that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. I think they're kind of, you just see, there's a, there, it just seems like there's a, a bit of a divide going on in Carolina right now with, you know, Cam's wardrobe malfunctions, <laughs> Cam's, uh, Cam's whole, his attitude, his, you know, when he gets, when he, whenever he's doing anything good, he's, you know, Superman, this and that, and every time anything goes wrong, he's pouting and sulking and hiding and, you know, and not wanting answering questions and his body's breaking down. And I don't think he, he doesn't take criticism or lack of production very well. And I think it's, it's just, it's more and more growing into him being less and less of a confident quarterback, I think. And that's just, that's where I see Cam Newton now. I, I don't think his time in the league, I don't think he's going to have six more years in the league. But I don't think, yeah, Kyle Allen's a good. I, I'd probably spend twenty percent, you know, for Kyle Allen on the waiver wire. But I definitely wouldn't trade a first round pick. Probably not. A, maybe not even a. Maybe a late. Maybe a late second. For, no, probably a third for Kyle Allen. That's probably where I'd go for that because he might. He may not have a job after the end of this year. So it's it's kind of tough, but it's a bad situation. So there you have it. There's the newfound glory at the quarterback position, but we need to talk about the the players around him. Uh, we definitely took longer on that than I expected, so um, we're going to kind of rapid fire these a little bit. But um, you know, a little bit of, of analysis here and there as needed. Uh, but I think for the most part, we're going to be able to get through these with you know, one or uh, with a, with a quick one sentence answer. So we're going to talk about rise against versus the damned. Are these players going to rise against the, ad, the adversity of losing their starting quarterback or are they just damned? And now's the time to either sell or potentially even drop these players uh, based on the, the value drop that they're about to see with these, new starting quarterbacks. So we'll, we'll get back to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we started with Mason Rudolph at the quarterback position. So I'm just going to ask you guys rise against or the damned on each one of these players. And uh, again, you know, if you feel like there's some analysis needed, we, we definitely love to hear it, but um, we're also going to try and rock through these as fast as possible. So let's start with the, the biggest name, on that entire offense, Juju Smith-Schuster. Does he rise against this adversity with Mason Rudolph taking over as a quarterback with very little experience? No experience, come to think of it. Or uh, is this a is this the damned Juju Smith-Schuster and now's the time to sell low? Rise against for me. Rise against for me. Juju, I think, could any any – he can make any quarterback look good. He's that good of a player. What about James Conner? James Conner had to, has a hard enough time staying James Conner right now than he does. <laughs> so I I, I I think he'll rise up against because of the opportunity. Yeah, I do too. 
rise against. This should be an easy one. James Washington. This is more than a rise against, right? This is like, this is kind of the dream scenario for James Washington. He gets a quarterback who's been throwing the ball to him for what? Three years now mm-hmm. <laughs> between, you know, between the pros and college. So uh, this, if anything, this is uh James Washington breakout season. Agreed. Yeah. And Vance McDonald, what do you think? Vance Dance is uh looking pretty good. I think he I, you know that's a short yardage targets and end zone guy. Uh I, I think he can I'm not you don't gotta throw real far to make Vance McDonald look good. And he he he's he's very good tight end. I think he'll rise up against no problem also. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of us, uh, myself included, full disclosure, uh, overdrafted McDonald in, in leagues this year, um, regardless of the quarterback. However, I do think that uh, he will also rise against here uh, and and have, you know, he, he looked pretty good with Rudolph in there. They had, I think he had both of his touchdowns before or, or after Roethlisberger left the game. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say rise against there as well. So the tough part then, I think where we might need a little bit of analysis is it sounds like we're asking, and again, I'm super high on Mason Rudolph, so I'm not necessarily saying that this is wrong, but we are expecting him then to support a, you know, a top five wide receiver, uh, Washington, you know, kind of depending on where you've, where you project him. Um, but this certainly seems to be a better situation than what he was in. I would think, you know, wide receiver three is kind of what we're what we're looking at with him. So a top thirty six type guy, and then uh, probably Vance McDonald. I think based on expectations, even if we temper it a little bit, we're still looking at a tight end one uh, type of season for Vance McDonald. That's what we're looking for. So, do you guys feel like Mason Rudolph can support all that? So here's the thing about here's the thing about Juju. Okay. I, I Juju is a top five dynasty wide receiver easily for me. Okay. But he's not going to finish top five this year. So how so when you say rise against versus the damned, if we're talking about this season only and you're expecting him to do exactly what he did last year, um I don't know. I don't know. Um, what what I'm saying is, I don't think he goes to being a wide receiver three by any means, or even a a back half wide receiver two. I mean, I think he's still going to be a wide receiver one. He's just not going to be, you know, the top. You know, he's not going to be a top five wide receiver. I agree with that. I think he'll be somewhere. I think he'll be somewhere in the top 15 now instead of the top five. Okay. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to change a vote on, on any of those, it'd be Connor for me because, and not because of Mason Rudolph, but just because they have not been able to run the football yet. Yeah. Effect, effectively. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. It, again, not because of Mason Rudolph at all, just because they haven't been able to run it regardless of who's in there to this point in the season. So they need to improve that. 
Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's talk about Gardner Minshew's weapons then, and uh, kind of the same format here. But start with Dee Westbrook, who is a guy who is expected to have a kind of a breakout type of season. And I mean, he saved his week one in a very good matchup with a with a touchdown kind of late. Um, but in week two, we really didn't see a whole lot from him uh, with uh, with Gardner. I, yeah, yeah. Let me. How do you guys feel about him? What which way are you going with Dede Westbrook? Well, like you said before, he was supposed to be the darling this year. Uh, he was supposed to be the the hot pickup on that team, and um, I don't think a lot of people wrote off DJ Shark already. So I, but he seems to be producing more than Dede. So I, um, I, I think it's going to be a back and forth all year long with those two. So that's kind of what tends to happen with these with these younger players, too. I mean, you know, all of the reps throughout training camp and throughout the preseason, it was Minshew throwing to DJ Chark. So, you know, once Minshew actually gets in the game, you know, Nick Foles has been thrown to Westbrook this entire time. And now now, you know, you basically put in the entire JV offense and they're going to just kind of stick together. So yeah, it's kind of looking like DJ Chark takes over as a wide receiver one. Do you guys have any, any expectations going forward for DD Westbrook or is that somebody that you're considering just dropping out? Right. I think they're going to be right next to each other in the rankings almost every week. That's how I feel. Yeah, the the problem. I mean, this and Jacksonville has a history of this too. I mean, last year Keelan Cole was r- involved in that rotation of of wide receivers. You know, you never know. I mean, one week it's Dee, one week it's Cole, one week it's Chark. Do 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 do. One week. No, it's- I wanted to do that. And I felt like a dork. <laughs> well, I am you a should. dork. I am a dork, so I'm I'm good with it. Um, <laughs> you know, but but seriously, I mean, the the Jags have been. I mean, real, really, the Jags have been that way since what Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith were there. I mean, that, you know, there's not a true dominant wide receiver one. Uh, Justin Blackman first yeah. season, you know, um, but but other than that, I mean, they they don't you know, it's week to week with with the Jags receivers. Um, I, I like all of them. I mean, I like Chark. I like Dee. Dee. I just don't know which one from a week to week standpoint is going to be consistent. I think John, the point you made about Minshew and his reps with Chark, I think that absolutely plays into this a little bit for me because, you know, he, he trusts him. He has his trust. He's, he has a feel for where Chark's going to be um, and, and, and vice versa. So that's why I think they're clicking early on, um, you know, we'll see moving forward. I mean, DD Westbrook is a talented kid. He, he, you know, he was ultra productive in, in college and, um, and has shown that he can be productive in the national football league. Um, just these first two weeks, it's been a little, it's been a little off. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I would say, I mean, if, if we're, do, we're right, we're doing the episode tonight. So tonight I'm going to say for the next several weeks, DD is a damned. Okay. Um, Chark would be a rise against because of the reasons that we said. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then Leonard Fournette, I think, will be Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. I mean, we know, you know, you kind of he's going to get the volume, but uh, I mean, how's he going to produce? Who the hell knows? He hasn't been so far. I mean, there where he's kind of saving himself is in the passing game. Uh, four catches each of the last uh, e- in each of the first two games. Uh, but yeah, on the ground, I mean, they're giving him the volume for sure. Uh, the first week against Kansas City, he kind of got game scripted out, but he managed just 66 yards on 13 carries. Uh, in week two, um, in a in a, a a much better game script against Houston, he still only managed 47 yards on his 15 carries. So uh, it's yeah, I I. I, I don't I, I feel like this is all stuff that would exist regardless of the quarterback. That's that's my personal opinion. I think that where he's kind of rising against again is the fact that he is more involved in the passing game um, because it's a that it, it's an offense meant to be, you know, kind of short passes, kind of quick hitters, um, keep Minshew, you know, get the ball out of his hand and make the easier reads for him. Um, and, and, and again, you know, just to have that safety valve essentially. So uh, I, yeah, I, I, this might not even have anything to do with Minshew. This might just be what Leonard Fournette was going to be all season uh, until he gets hurt. Yeah. They're all just average. There's nothing, there's nobody on there that's, you know, that can make Gardner a better player. It's they're all just average. So, yeah. So let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater's weapons and and we won't go through the entire list of guys. I mean, obviously there's, there's plenty there to talk about with Traquan Smith and um, you know, the, the, the rest of the wide receiving core, but the main guy that we want to talk about here, I think is Michael Thomas. What level of concern do you guys have for Michael Thomas with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback? as opposed to Drew Brees. Is this a rise against or is is Michael Thomas among the damned? He's a rise against for me. I mean, as long as the ball's near him, he's gonna catch it. He's he's almost quarterback proof. Yeah, I agree with John here. Um he's a rise against for me as well. The difference is going to be his yards per reception. Um and you know, same number of targets, same number of receptions uh as week one you know, with Teddy, I think he only had two receptions before Teddy entered the game. So he was targeted a ton um, by Bridgewater as well. The difference is um, 12 and a half yards of reception versus nine yards of reception. So that's, that's going to be the difference here. The yardage might not be as um, crazy (laughs) as, as it normally is, but uh, I I do think he's still going to be a monster in that offense. Yeah, 20 to 30 yards different probably for the next couple games. Maybe that's about it. But I think he's fine. He still had 13 targets. So, yeah, he's obviously going to be involved. Alvin Kamara, though, 13 carries, 45 yards, one catch on three targets for 15 yards, no touchdowns. Are you guys concerned or was that just game script? I think it was game script. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned one bit about Elvin Kamara. I, I think it's not like there's this 
humongous difference in quarterback where they they can just pin their ears back and you know chase after Kamara. There's so much on this team to 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 def- deflect any defensive scheme against the Saints. I, I, Kamara Kamara is absolutely zero worry to me whatsoever. He's rise against also. Okay, let's get to the Giants real quick. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Who's hurt by Daniel Jones taking over as a quarterback for Eli Manning? Who hel- who's helped the most? Um, any of these guys that you feel like are, are particularly damned now that Daniel Jones is a starter as opposed to Eli Manning? Um, and uh, which of these guys do you think rise against? It's kind of a tough one because there's there's a skeleton crew on here right now. So um, I think Evan Evan Ingram rise against and Saquon Barkley rise against. I, I don't think I think those guys are almost uh, quarterback proof. Also, the receivers are going to be the ones that are going to be when they get a full staff. You know, when Tate comes back and Sheffer gets gets better, those are both possession receivers. So I think they'll be okay anyway. He's not he's not seventy yard bombs. He's, it's a dink and dunk passes, middle of field kind of stuff. I think uh, I think the Giants will be okay. I do too. I think I think they're going to be fine. Here, here's the thing. I I don't understand. Yes, Saquon Barkley is my guy. Okay. <laughs> you know, <we laughs> let, know. Me start, okay. let me start with that. Okay. I yeah. I just I don't understand why it seems like people have. I mean, people have per, personal vendettas against some of these guys. Kamara and, and and Barkley and McCaffrey, right? McCaffrey has one bad game in his career so far, <laughs> essentially, since he's since he's been the man there. And people are on his case and just, oh, he's he's not. The, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Saquon Barkley is a. F- I I had yeah I did <laughs> I did don't, don't want to make John edit. He's a freaking stud. He's a stud. And he's 22 years old. So just he's going to be fine. I think I think if anything, he's going to get more volume. He's only had like 36 touches, I think, in the first two weeks, which isn't a ton, in my opinion. I mean, he had 15. I think he had I think he only had 12 carries the first week. And and fifteen last week or something yeah, like that. Wayne Gallman bolted a touchdown. It was like, what the hell's going on here? And and he's over a hundred yards in both of those games. So you know, I I just I think the volume will get an uptick. I think his pass or his receiving volume will also get an uptick because, like John said earlier, he's more of a a short to intermediate passer than he is a a, a down the field guy. Um. You know, so Barkley, Ingram, I think they're both rise against because they're going to be the safety nets. They're going to be the guys that, you know, they do the rhythm throws to try to get, you know, quick hits out. And, and you know, when he's in trouble, he's going to check down quickly. So um, I think those guys will be fine. Like John McGlynn said, I think, you know, Shepard and Tate are both kind of possession receivers. I think Tate, especially in that regard, will be fine. Um, Shepard will see. Uh, you know, when he gets back and gets healthy, we'll we'll see how this affects him. But, um, you know, I, I think honestly, I think Daniel Jones is an upgrade for almost everybody in that offense. There it is. That's what I was. That's what I was waiting to hear because uh, I I think that at this point we're we're all kind of in agreement that that's the case. This this is probably the, at this point this is probably the best thing that could happen for the New York Giants. 
skill position offensive players. Yeah, and trying to trying instead of making trying instead of trying to make too much happen, like Eli Manning was doing. I think Daniel Jones will have a lot of one, two, three step and go drops, and you know maybe four step drops and get rid of it, and then check down to Saquon and and, and Ingram. It's I, I think this offense is designed for a quarterback like Daniel Jones. All right, one uh, one last group of guys here um, for for this uh, this particular segment, anyways. Um, and then we'll move on to our, our last, uh, segment, but so this is just on the, the off chance that Kyle Allen does end up starting, uh, for, uh, the Carolina Panthers this week in place of Cam Newton. Again, a very good, uh, a, a very good matchup with Arizona. Um, it's a, it has not been a very good defense so far. Um, and it's a little bit surprising last year, they were bad against the run. Uh, this year with, I mean, Patrick Peterson on suspension. Um, I believe Buda Baker is also injured. I uh, might be speaking out of turn on that one. But anyways, that secondary has been pretty bad as well. So uh, do you have any hesitation starting any of the following with Kyle Allen at quarterback? DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson. No. No, not one bit in any of them. None of them. Start them all. Okay. okay. And okay. especially start Greg Olson. He's gonna <laughs> absolutely torch them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a it, it's a good matchup. So okay. I like it. All right. Last piece here. Let's talk about the guys who are missing. Is this a minor threat to these guys or are they the dead boys? Is this is this the end of the road, or are we gonna see these guys back as a starting quarterback? Uh, sooner rather than later, or it, it, at any point, you know, in it, uh, actually. So we'll take out Cam Newton. We know that at some point he's going to be back as a starter. Uh, but the rest of these guys, is this a minor threat or is this uh, dead boys? And we got to start with Big Ben. This is the one everyone's really wondering about and really worrying about. Does Big Ben come back and take over that starting job at any point? Is this just a minor threat or is this it? Have we seen the last of Ben Roethlisberger as a starting quarterback, at least in Pittsburgh, if not in the NFL in general? I don't think it's a minor threat. I think it's a a major threat, but I think Big Big Ben will come back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's somewhere in between. I know that's a cop out, John. I apologize. No, but that's yeah. That's, I, I I do think it's somewhere in between. I think it all depends on Mason Rudolph's play. If Mason Rudolph plays well and leads this team and they somehow are eight and eight at the end of the season, nine and seven, and he's shown some major flashes, then I think then I think it could be closer to dead boys. Um if he doesn't perform well and they end up, you know, one of the worst ten teams in the league, then you know, and 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 Rudolph struggles, then I think you know, then I think it's a minor threat. I think Roethlisberger will come back next year and and probably resume that role, um, you know, for, until his contract's done. This is by far the hardest decision on this list, so it's uh, yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah, for sure. All right, Nick Foles, minor threat or dead, <laughs> dead, dead, dead boys. I should say the entire band name and not just. 
uh, not just scare people and tell them that Nick Foles died. Uh, he did. He's very much alive. He's just hurt. Does he come back to a starting job? Yeah, I think this is minor threat. I agree. Minor threat. Okay. That's one. I, I actually think that Gardner Minshew has a chance to, to just overtake him. And I get the contract situation. I, I just, we've seen this before, by the way. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, in fact, did that. They threw a ton of money at Matt, Matt Flynn, Flynn only yeah. to give the starting job to Russell Wilson. I think at the end of the day, you've got to go with with the guy who gives you the best chance to win. I, I think the saving grace, and and I think that both of you guys mentioned this, um, but we haven't seen enough of Nick Foles to make a decision on him. And uh, what we did see, I think, was uh, pretty good in a very good matchup. So there's uh, there's certainly a chance. Um, the, but to me, this one could go either way. Just because and, Gardner Minshew dresses like a 1970s porn star doesn't make him uh, any, <laughs> any. Yes, it does. <laughs> sure, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Man, John McGlynn really has a problem with these quarterbacks attire lately. Their, their fashion choices really. La- uh, the lack of. <laughs> it, it really kind of kind of weighs on him um <laughs> uh fair enough though uh to me that one's 50 50 i i think that there is a chance that gardner Minshew plays well enough that you have to stick with him at least through the 2019 season leave nick Foles on ir and bring somebody else back and then you know in in 2020 i think that you uh you open it up for competition between the two i do i, I do like that i do like these new kids coming in the NFL with this flair and this attitude and this, you know, they're not, it's not, they're not disrespectful. They're not hurting anybody. They're just kind of like the, you know, they're like, I don't know. They're just, I guess that's, it's refreshing almost to see kids. It's like, they're almost like just like kids being kids, you know, they're having a good time, enjoying the life, you know, living, getting mono, getting mono. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he doesn't do that one. I don't care how he dresses, but yeah, let's leave out the STDs. Um, all right, Drew Brees. Now, I mean, it sounds like he comes back this year. I think I, the the tough part is this is on his throwing hand, and I I don't know what the recovery is going to look like. I mean, I know, you know, supposedly you you heal from the the surgery in about two months, mm-hmm. but. I mean, we have no idea what it's going to look like as far as, you know, his ability to grip and throw a football. Uh, I, I, I think that we do have to consider the possibility here that 2019 is a lost season for Drew Brees, especially if they're not able to stay in contention with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I don't know why you necessarily bother bringing Drew Brees back for for 2019 and if that's the case it's week two and i think they had i think i if i remember this correctly they have a week nine bye so Mm -hmm. they're they're planning on spending the entire two months letting him rehab not even if he's well by that week you know coming up to week nine they're not going to play him before then they'll wait till the buys over with make a decision then Uh, if he comes back week 10 that's plenty of time for them to salvage the season if as as long as as long as they win a couple games in his absence three or maybe three 
three of the next five, three of the next six, four of the next six, maybe three of the next six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's enough space. Nobody, nobody in the NFL and the NFC is going to steamroll everybody. So, I think it's it's a the, the the whole conference is is pretty even. So, I'm I'm I think I think uh, Breeze has a very good shot of coming back probably week ten this year, and they probably want him to. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think that's exactly where I am, too. I think the plan is if they're still in contention and they're hoping to be, then Breeze would rest till after the bye week and then potentially be be back after that. You know, the other thing is it depends. I mean, if they if they win four out of the next six, per se, um, you know, and 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 now they're, you know, I don't know what that would make them. I guess they're one and one. So now they're you know, five and three or, or six and three coming out of the bye. Let me take my um, shoes off and count that. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not good at math. So as uh, long as you keep your pants on, we're good. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> um, no, but, but you know, if they're, if they're in that situation, they might even wait longer than that. You know, if, if Teddy plays well enough and they can win some games, they might rest them until they're a hundred percent sure. Um, you know, but then I definitely would see him returning. Now, if they lose four out of six or or five out of six or whatever with Bridgewater, you know, at the helm and they're kind of really behind and and whatnot, then yeah, John, I think there's a chance that they shut him down this year and say, okay, listen, next year's your swan song, not this year. Um, you know, and then he comes back for his age forty one season. So, um, but I, I'm I think this is minor threat for the end of this year and next year is kind of what I'm, I'm thinking. Agreed. So there's not really a scenario here where Teddy Bridgewater is bad enough to keep Drew Brees away from that starting job. What about it? How good would he have to be to, to threaten to keep that, this job? I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I think if Breeze is healthy, he's the starting quarterback in New Orleans until he okay. decides he's done. Okay. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. How about Eli Manning? Is there a path for him to get back into the starting job? Or he gone. He gone. injury? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, injury is the only way I, I see him getting his job back. Maybe a trade to another team. It, or that. It's, it's yeah. kind of hard to go back to him, even in the case of an injury. I think at this point, you might as well trade him. They were just yeah. talking about him going to Jets this morning. It would it would make sense, and all that we spent all that time talking about Luke Falk. Although, I mean, we were mostly talking about Sam Darnold and uh, and his bout with Mono. But um, yeah, we wasted a lot of time talking about way too much time. I I think it's fair to say talking about Luke Luke Falk, and I actually think Luke Falk would probably agree with that. <laughs> uh, just to have him replaced by Eli Manning. Uh, once this podcast is released. So, yeah, so watch for that. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably coming. That's going to do it for our punk rock episode, boys. And uh, it, it was, it was uh, I, I think it was a pretty useful one. Again, I'm all in on Mason Rudolph. I don't even think our Steelers fan is, uh, is in, as into Mason Rudolph as I am actually, we've got one more that we need to talk about real quick though. John McGlynn, uh, it, at this point we're week to week. 
on who's going to be the Dolphins starter. Now they've announced in week three, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick again. We saw a little bit of Josh Rosen in week two. And they're saying that they're going back to Ryan Fitzpatrick in week three. This, this very well could be exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick went through last year where he's on the field, off the field. But what do you make of the quarterback situation in Miami? And what would you do if, uh, if you're the general manager of the Miami Dolphins? I think the plan all along was to ease Rosen in this job um, and wait for the week four bye. He, you've seen him spot coming in the end of the games, the first two games of the season. He's a uh, spot coming. Hasn't looked very well, but – I think uh, at some point in time you got to say, "Hey, we traded a second round pick for this guy. We gotta, we, we gotta see what we got all season long. We can't just keep playing, you know, spot play all the way through." So I think week five after their week four bye, I think, uh, I think he's he'll be named the starter then. The Fitzpatrick, neither one of them are shocking the world, and there's really not much to do. I mean, uh, besides Preston Williams, they don't really have much on that team. Gasecki's not panning out. They don't. They traded everybody else away. So I, I. I you know, Rosen's going to have to make it work. And I think week five is whether he likes it or not, he's going to be the starter. You know, if he gets in there for a week or two and just completely tanks and they have to go back to Fitzpatrick, you know, I get it, but I don't think they want to. I think they want to just make Rosen, you know, because next year, let's just say they're, they're rebuilding. Next, what They have Rosen for another three years on a, on a rookie deal. So if I'm the Dolphins, what I do is – I, I throw him in there. I do not draft Tua next year. I get offensive linemen, defensive linemen, receivers, a good running back somewhere early in the draft. Use all my picks on 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 on, on interior line, new defense, which I don't understand why they traded away Tunsil, who's who they got as a steal at number thirteen last year. You know, last year I, I don't understand where why they would get rid of Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best slot cover corners in the league, both under rookie deals. If you're rebuilding, you got to start somewhere. You can't trade everything away and just have nothing to work around. I I, I think they use them. I think they, they build the team next year, and in two years they draft Trevor Lawrence uh, with the number one pick and start the franchise with a little bit of building blocks for Trevor Lawrence to work with. Um, they got they have 24 picks in the next two years to, to, to draft from. And, you know, picks aren't – you know, pick not, picks are not guaranteed. There's not an awesome hit rate on, on on draft picks, and it takes guys to develop two or three years too. So, uh, I, the Dolphins went a little bit too far in the tank. As, far, I mean, as being a Dolphins fan, this is kind of it's hard to watch this because it, it's it's almost like they're they're trying to be too cute with this rebuild. And they, I think they really gave them they ruined themselves in a real pickle now with getting rid of even the young talent. You can't build around Preston Williams and Xavier Howard. That's not the only two guys you need to have on a the team. Their offensive line's horrible. They, they got rid of most of the defensive linemen. The linebackers are all, you know, not that good. They don't have anything. So I don't know what they're going to do. I, Rosen, when he gets in there, he's not going to have a lot to work with, but they're going to have to see what they got. So that's interesting, John. Um, you don't think that they draft Tua if they have the number one overall pick? If I'm the Dolphins, which if I was the GM of the Dolphins, I, you know, uh, Mike Tannenbaum put these guys in a real bad situation with all the, you know, the, the extra money he spent on the same position players and 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 Dominican Sue and everything else, all the bad mistakes he made. And they had a lot, they had to get rid of cash space. They sent Kenny Still. They said, hey, you could take 
uh, Laramie Tunsil, but you're taking this $15 million contract of a guy we don't even want on a team anymore in order to make this happen. So they got cap space. They got, you know, they got rid of everybody. I, I, I get that Tua is the popular pick right now for the number one. And all everybody says, you got to go best available, best available. Well, you know, the best available, how would you put, what would you do if you drank, if you, if you drafted Tua number one last year, if you had the number one pick, let's just say it's granted they're going to, you put Tua on that team with nothing around him. You know, with not, what is he, nobody to throw to. I mean, Josh Rosen is arguably, what do you think Josh Rosen would have went in, in, in this year's draft? Probably number, probably number one, right? I mean, he probably would have went be in front of Kyler Murray, I think, anyway. I I know I I think maybe he if you put apples to apples do you think he would have been pretty comparable to Tua maybe even better than Tua I I I like Josh Rosen I really do like him but I don't think you can you if you get a if you spend your number one pick when you completely tanked and you get your number one pick and you throw him out to the wolves week one and you ruin that quarterback what where do you put yourself then in a rebuild? When you got the confidence of your number one pick shot down the drain, I and mean, we've seen it happen before, and look at guys like Andrew Luck. Look what happened to him on, his, on the rebuild for the Colts. He got destroyed. Now he's he retired after at thirty years old. He should have had ten more years left of an NFL career, but they beat him up so bad that he the guy can't even. I mean, he, he's he's ruined. Same thing is going to happen to Sean Watson if he keeps getting sacked ninety times at ninety times a year. I, I, they got to rebuild first before they draft the quarterback next year. I think. I think they're going for Trevor Lawrence in two years. Is, is what I what I think is the plan, which should be the plan anyway. It's it, it's a tough one because I've always I, I you know we talked a lot in the off season about the Arizona Cardinals situation, having Josh Rosen and still talking about getting Kyler Murray, and I felt like they should. I I felt like they should have kept Josh Rosen. I felt like they should have drafted Kyler Murray, and they should have. Let the two compete, find out who's your best quarterback, and then ship the other one off. Because you know, your your rebuild can't really even start until you've got that quarterback. But once you have that, once you figure that piece out, then first of all, I mean, with the the CBA the way it currently is is written, um, and you gotta take advantage of this while you still can, because this might very well change. Uh, when we have a, a collective bargaining agreement um, in uh, 2020 um, or, or 2021, maybe it is. But either way, it, this is it, take advantage of the fact that you really don't have to pay a young quarterback very much. Pat Mahomes is making somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 million guaranteed through the first four years of his career. And in the meantime, you get to pay the Kansas City Chiefs get to throw the rest of that money, the rest of that salary cap at putting players around him. So you can take advantage of that. You can go get those players who, uh, you know, bring them in as free agents and you've got all the cap room in the world because now you've got the quarterback in place on a rookie deal. I think they're going to have $151 million in cap space next year. Yeah. So they they could clean up, and and in fact they're kind of going to have to. I mean, there's a there's a, a and I don't remember how much it is, but you have to spend a certain amount of your your budget, um, otherwise you get taxed. Uh, you you get a luxury tax if you're not if you're I mean, too far below the salary. Cap. Yes, and it's only a 53 man roster, and you got 25 picks. 
next next two years. I mean, it's so, and and you have nothing but young players on almost uh, this team is really young free agents and just people they picked up off the you know their own practice squad. And I mean, they really gutted this entire thing. They're down to sticks and bones here. I mean, it's there's nothing on this team. And yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a confusing situation. It's it's hard to to understand where it's where it's going from here, but. Uh, that, that, I mean, this is, this was a punk rock episode and that's what punk rock is all about raging against the freaking, the, the authority. So yeah, we had to sneak that one in a little bit and, uh, but we've gone way above time. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation, so we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Brian is at Brian Har FF. John is at John McGlynn 75. And I'm at Superflex Dude. And don't forget to send us your cre- your questions and your trade polls uh, for those Wednesday night live, sh- live shows. You can also show up and join the live chat on YouTube and ask your questions there and and uh the super flex super show team uh can answer those questions for you in real time thank you to heart and soul radio for the song the addiction that we use as our intro and outro music make sure to tune tune in for both the live show on wednesday night and uh both of the start sit episodes at the end of the week getting you ready for week three and above all else thank you to each and every one of you for listening Best of luck in week three, and until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.